can have a seat. I hope for each of you that you have people in your life that are your sounding boards. I hope for each of you that there are just people in your life that you can just kind of talk to. You know, when I do premarital counseling, I do this whole thing on communication, and the reality is is at least half of us, the way we communicate is we talk out loud. Now, I know that some of you are your thinker of in-your-heads people, but there's this other group of us that the best way for us to learn anything is for us to hear ourselves speaking and to hear ourselves kind of talking out loud. And if you're one of those people, you've probably been interrupted in the middle of that at some point, and your response is, don't, don't say anything yet, I'm not done thinking, because you think out loud. But every one of us, and I hope that you're one of those people that just has some people in your life that are your sounding boards that help you figure things out. That you can have that conversation with and that they help you hear yourself. I used to be, as a pastor, the great advice giver. I would listen for a while and then I would be like, and now I will speak and teach you great truth. But I'm realizing that one of the most important things that sometimes I say to people is, did you hear what you just said? You know? I had a great friend from Indiana that when I was going through some things in Florida, I would explain them to him. And the longer I would talk, he says, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Yes. And I can hear it in myself. I am a moron. The story that we're going to study today in Scripture is really a story about having that kind of a friend. Jesus had died. His disciples were trying to figure this all out. And in the last chapter of Luke, there's two friends that are walking down a road, a road called Emmaus. And they're trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Let's read that story together from Scripture. If you turn to Luke chapter 24 in your Bible, or you can follow along on the screen, Luke chapter 24, we're going to start at verse 13 as we read this story. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. I like what they call this. They call this the Emmaus Road experience. When we lived in Indiana, we were right next to Ohio, and Ohio has this interesting way of explaining all of their country roads. They explain them by what you're going to find at the two ends of them. So there's Union City, Greenville Pike. At one end of it, you're going to find Union City, and the other end of it, you're going to find Greenville. And then there's Greenville Pike that goes to this other road and that kind of thing. And as long as you're not going to some place in the middle, it works out really well. But these people are on Jerusalem, Emmaus, Pike. They're on a journey. And they were talking to each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing them, Jesus himself drew near and went with them but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. 
And when he said to them, what is the conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? They stood still and, lo- and, looking, and looking sad said, then one of them said, Clopas said, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? You see, it was the Passover, so there would have been a big crowd there. And all of a sudden, they were walking with somebody from that crowd, and he doesn't seem to know what was going on. And so they go on to say, and he said to them, what things? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our group amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they'd even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb to find out just and found out it was just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, this is being Jesus, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ would suffer these things and enter into his glory? Beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scripture, scripture, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, He took the bread and blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is an incredible story. How many times in the midst of you being with that dear friend or that person that you're explaining things, wouldn't it be nice if Jesus would just show up? Wouldn't you like it if Jesus would show up? Do you ever have those minutes? The other day I was praying and the word Hosanna that they they yelled about Jesus when He entered the into Jerusalem at the beginning of that week before He was crucified means Lord save us. That's what it means. How many times do you cry that out? Lord, save me. You're trying to figure out a situation. Things don't make sense. Do we have those moments in life where we just want to sit down with a friend and say, look, this is what's going on, and we're trying to make sense of it. 
Sometimes in the midst of that, have you ever had a friend and you just wish that they would not give you any ideas of what they're thinking? Because the more they talk, the more you're just like, oh, stop. But wouldn't it be neat if Jesus would show up in our lives and help us? I think there are those moments where we've got to realize that Jesus wants to show up. But there's something in the Scripture that's really important that we're going to come to in a little bit. I, I was having a conversation with, with Sandy, who attends here. She's one of our dear, mighty women of God who've loved Him for a long time. And we were talking about the fact that the reality is, is there's some things that we can't do ourselves. They're only God things. And in the midst of this, I want you to see one of those only God things. There's sometimes in situations that we face in life and that we see around us that there's only God things, that there isn't something else we can do. In my circle that I run in, there's all these people that are trying to put together seminars that will grow churches, how I can grow your church to a thousand. You know? There's, there's other people that are, are writing, writing techniques for this or that, and they're, they're taking a look at Scripture, and they're seeing patterns, and they're saying this is how it must be done, and God must be just laughing His head off. Because the God of heaven doesn't always do things the same. And so as we take a look at the ideas that are going on in this passage, I don't want you to be looking for a pattern saying, okay, this is how God will always work, because that's not how God does. But I do want you to see what God does. And I believe that God always wants to do these things. So let's just take a look at the story. So the story starts with this idea that, that two guys are discussing the issues of life as they see them. They're having this discussion. Some people even think that it might have been a married couple. And they're having this discussion about what we should do. How we should get together, what what can happen. And and let's face it, there's every one of us right now, we wish we had a good friend to sit down with an issue in our life and have that discussion. Yesterday morning a, a pastor from the area called me up and says, Look, this is what's going on. Can you help me? Last Thursday I, I called up one of my dear friends and said, Hey, this is some of what's going on. Can you give me some perspective? Every one of us needs that in life. And so these people are, are they're discussing the issue, and the issue for them is, why did Jesus have to die? Why, why this travesty? What, what's going on here? How, how do we explain this? How do we filter this? What, what do we need to do? And so there's always this discussing of life questions. If you're a parent, you have this discussion often, because God gave you these little creatures and we have to figure out how to grow them. And I thought that would end when they turned like about 20. No. No, it doesn't. There's long discussions that go along with life. But then all of a sudden, God will covertly insert Himself, and that's what we see in this passage. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus drew near them and went with them but their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. You know, there are times that I believe that God somehow enters into our discussions, but He isn't wearing a name tag that says, Hi, my name is God. But if we will just take a breath 
we can realize that somehow he's going to enter into discussion. And sometimes God, instead of explaining things, just asks the obvious. You ever had people do that? Yeah. So what you're saying is blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's what I said. Thanks for explaining the obvious to me. But God covertly enters into a situation. That's what we see that He does here. And they were looking sad, and then one of them said, don't you understand what's going on? And that's what we do sometimes. When somebody enters into our discussion, we feel like we need to explain it more. Have you ever noticed that when you don't feel heard, you have to explain it again? Have you ever had that happen? Where you say, I'm not sure they understood it, so let's see. I'm going to go from a different angle. And oftentimes, at some point, the person will stop and say, I understand what you're saying. And you're saying, well, no, I'm not sure you do. And so I'm going to explain it from a third angle. That's what they were doing. You know, one of the things that happens to us when we're in the middle of these discussions is that we buy into something that I am very concerned about. We buy into what I call the you haven't gone through this syndrome. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes that exists in situations. Is But you can never understand because you haven't gone through this situation. And the problem with that is that's what they're saying to God here. They're saying to God, well, God, you don't really understand because you've never been through this situation. And you know what? Sometimes that gives us permission to think that God doesn't care because we think that he hasn't gone through what we have. But Scripture tells us what? That he went through everything that we went through? Except what? He never messed up without sin. So that's what we see here. And as you read on, it says, he says, so explain it to me. And so he explains and he listens to what they have to say. And then Jesus does this. He listens and he hears what their hope is. And if you listen to people long enough, when they're having a discussion, you're going to figure out what their agenda is and what they really want to see happen. And that's what they did here. All of a sudden they said, we had hoped that He was the one to redeem Israel the way we wanted Israel redeemed. That's what they're really saying there. We, we were hoping that he'd, he'd do it by our agenda and then in the way we wanted. That's what we're hoping for. And now here we are and it's three days later. And they're going to go on and and we don't even know where he is. And then they're going to go on and they're going to talk about something that we probably don't understand in the culture, but there would have been sarcasm in what they were said. Do you know that in Jewish culture at that time, a woman was not allowed to give testimony to a court because she was never considered a credible witness? And so that's why when they say, and you're not going to believe this, there's these women and they went to the tomb. And they had a vision. You know, you can just imagine their, all of their prejudices, all of their situations, all of the things that they're going through, all the baggage that they're bringing into the situation, they're dumping on Jesus. And you see that as they explain the story. And then they go, but then some guys went, and it was the way they said it was. Somebody that we believed in. 
And that's always what we do. At some point we say, well, our friends, the people that we really believe in this, they see it the same way we do. And, and this is the situation. And there's all this self-talk and all of this stuff going on. And sometimes when God enters into the situation, he has to do something that isn't fun. And that's what we see Jesus do next. He challenges their foolish thinking. I've always wondered how they responded to this. They've been just kind of dumping their hearts to this person that they don't know that's God. And then all of a sudden God enters. And I know that he probably didn't say it with a bit of sarcasm. There's probably a gentle and even sad voice that said it. But listen to what he says. And he said to them, Oh foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer that these, these things and enter into his glory? Once in a while, in the middle of our conversation, that's what my friend would do for me. God bless Jim Ellis. Because once in a while, he would listen long enough to me to hear me be able to tell me that maybe if I really listened to myself, I'd realize that I was a little bit foolish in what I was thinking. You see, God cannot help us if He cannot correct how we think poorly. God can't help us. If you're seeing a cycle in your life of what seems to be the same thing happening over and over again, it's because you're not catching the foolish thinking challenge. And so you're repeating it over and over again. I got a, a text message from a dear friend from Indiana. His name's Junior. I love Junior. But Junior went through this time in his life where he'd have crisis after crisis after crisis. And I can remember one day as a much younger man than Junior saying to him, do you think maybe God wants you to handle it differently this time? We've got to realize that at some point that our thoughts are not God's thoughts and our ways are not God's ways and our thinking is not His thinking and once in a while, He's going to have to explain to us that it's not. You see, foolishness is an interesting word. It comes from the book of Proverbs and it basically means that I have knowledge and I'm not applying it correctly. And that's what He said to them here. Haven't you read what the Bible says about the Christ? You're not applying it correctly. You're missing a part of the story. In, in your agenda for what you wanted the Messiah to be, you missed the point of the, what the Messiah was really going to be. And so there he goes from there, and God begins connecting the dots for these people. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, and interpreted to them all the Scripture, the things concerning Him. Moses would be the first five books. The prophets would be the rest. And he took all of these things. I, I, I wish this part was written out. I, I want to hear how he sold all those pieces together, don't you? Can you hear him just lovingly say as they're walking, they were walking seven miles so we're talking, this is a two-hour walk. He had plenty of time to explain things. Can you imagine him 
taking all the little pieces from the Old Testament and starting to weave them together and saying, remember what he said in Genesis 3? And remember then in Genesis 12, they didn't have chapters back then, but remember later on in the Genesis, he said that he raised up a special family. And then remember from that family, he raised up a special nation. And remember that in that nation, he raised up a special king. And remember that he promised that that king would be the, the part of a lineage that would be the one that would save all of Israel. And remember that Isaiah talked about that guy and he said that, remember Isaiah 53, isn't that a confusing passage? Doesn't that kind of fit what happened to Jesus? And, and remember what he said to Micah and, and remember what he said to Hezekiah and, and remember what he said to Hosea and remember all of these pieces and he connected all of the dots. Once in a while, we probably just need to get on our knees and go, Jesus... Please connect the dots. Because we think it's a giraffe, but it's really an elephant. And that's what God does, is he starts connecting the dots. You see, we get ourselves in trouble for two reasons, or at least, no, not you, I'll just say me. I, I get myself in trouble for two reasons. One, I get myself in trouble because I forget that God can do anything. And second of all, I get myself in trouble because he doesn't do it the way I want. It's not that he isn't effective and he doesn't do it. It's just that he does it in a different way. I've had to confess that one more lately. Okay, God, yes, you are, you're on the move. You're doing things, but you're just not doing the way I wanted. But he gave them this sieve that they're supposed to pour life through. And it's the Word of God. And he connected all the dots, not based on opinions or thoughts or reason. He connected all the truths of Scripture concerning who? Himself. So they drew near the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he wouldn't. They, he were going further, but he urged them. They urged him to stay longer, saying, "Stay with us, for it is towards evening; and the day is far spent." So he stayed with them. Now this is really important. Okay. Sometimes the reason Jesus can't show us that he's there is we blow him off. And so we don't get to see him. There, these guys could have gotten really angry going, who in the world is this guy? I bet you he's not even a rabbi. What a weird theory. And in their minds they could thought, I can hardly wait for a reason to get rid of this guy. But that's not what happened. God was connecting the dots and all of a sudden they said, will you stay? Will you linger? And then the miracle happened. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. 
the breaking of the bread. Do you think they were there when and watched Jesus when he fed the 4,000? Do you think that, the, that they were there when he broke the bread and he, he fed the 5,000? Do you think maybe they were there when he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I don't know what the significance is here, but this was important to them because they repeated this thought at the end. You see, if we sometimes will be patient and if we'll be honest, see, God isn't saying don't be honest, but I think that we've, we've got to be really honest, but we're saying, but, but Jesus, stay, stick with me. I, I want to see what you really are doing. I don't get it right now, and it's painful, and it's hard, and all the dots aren't connected, and, and I'm, I might have twisted something that you said. We, we like to twist things that he said. We like to take verses out of context and make them our mantra and not read the context that goes around them. Sometimes we do that, but all of a sudden, if we wait long enough, God reveals himself in brokenness. You get this? You feel broken? Are you struggling? God wants to reveal himself in that. Then they responded. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us when we talked when he talked to us on the road? And while he opened to us the scriptures. You know, this is where Sandy and I were having our discussion. Do you have anybody in your life right now that feels like either the flames of their faith are smoldering or maybe the fire's gone out? You know anybody like that? Do you long for the things that the Scripture speaks of as fire to enter the lives of other people? On the day of Pentecost, they said that the Spirit came down like what? Fire. And all of a sudden, Peter stood before a group of people of many different countries, and he had this supernatural ability to say something in Hebrew, and it came out in every single language. The UN is trying to figure this out for years. And in a moment, the small church had 3,000 more people in it. Why? Because they followed the right techniques? Because they went to the seminar? No. Because the fire came. That's what we want. But only God can do fire. I think that somehow we think that in our kit of life, that if we say the right thing, if we do the right thing as a pastor, I try to be so careful of this because I don't want to emotionally manipulate anybody. I want people to have a meeting with the living God and I want the fire of His Spirit to enter into their spirit. But fire is an interesting thing. I, I was thinking about fire, and I was thinking about one of my favorite like shows to watch is Survivor. And in, in Survivor, near the end, there can be this fire-making challenge. And the thing that is always amazing to me is even after many, many seasons, 
the number of people who can't make a fire in Survivor is huge. And I'll sit there and you'll watch the little clock I'll say 30 minutes later and they're still going, you know, 45 minutes later, you know. I watched one where they gave the matches and they couldn't even make the matches work. As a believer, I need you to know that the lives of other people and the change that we want to see in other people is not a fire-making challenge for us. Because we need to just put our hands in the air and say, we are not the fire-makers. In the Old Testament, the most beautiful picture of fire is when Elijah was fighting the prophets of Baal, right? And he so wanted to show them the miracle of what God could do, so he wet down everything. So it would be impossible for anyone to make a fire there. But the verses at the end say that a fireball came from God and it consumed even the rocks of the altar. I don't know about you, but there are a couple people in my family that I just want God to light a fire inside of. I don't know about you, but in this community, I I want God to light a fire in our community and for people that are are very far from God to become very close to God. I I want them to experience that thing in Ezekiel that he said that he took their hearts of stone and he replaced them with hearts of flesh. But my frustration sometimes is I cannot do it. And I think it's my responsibility. I I sit here as your pastor for the last six years and and I've thought of all different kinds of ways that maybe if I manipulated things, we could have 7,000 people in this room. But instead, I wait with you to see how God will light the fire. That all of a sudden... That, that people's hearts will hear the Word of God and the truth. They'll, they'll hear God say, oh, you're foolish. Uh, you got this wrong. Let me connect the dots for you. Do, 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 do. Elephant. So that you can have an everlasting relationship with me. I don't know about you, but I want the fire. Do you want the fire? You want the miracle of the fire? So here's some thoughts in response to all of this. I don't want you to see the road to Emmaus as a process or a pattern saying, okay, this is how God... This isn't like... These are the stages of grief. Oh, you're in the denial phase, definitely. No. I I don't know how God's going to work it in you. I do know that these things take place, but he might follow a different pattern. I I don't know how he's going to enter into your life. I don't know what that's going to look like. But the product is our hope, isn't it? This community we live in, this nation that we live in, this part of the country that we live in is ripe for what only God can do. 
this very part of the country 200 years ago was the birthplace of the Great Awakening. Where the fire of God came into a guy like Jonathan Edwards who was nearsighted and read his sermons as a manuscript and had a grating voice that nobody liked to listen to. And he would read that sermon over and over again and God used sinners in the hand of an angry God and He changed our nation forever. Why? Because in that sermon, God made elephants. He put the pieces together. And those people, even though I have heard that sermon read and went, ah, it's okay. Their hearts burned. And the fire of the Great Awakening happened not because Jonathan Edwards was a better man than anybody, but because God decided that the fire needed to be released. In our impatience and our frustration, sometimes we take responsibility for something that we cannot do. And we cannot light the fire. Only God can do that. So for a moment, think about the people that you would like to see change in. The people that sometimes you reason with and Jesus hasn't shown up on the road with yet. How do you want Him to light the fire? How do you want Him to light and do what only He can do? How are you going to surrender to this reality that there's nothing you can do to change a situation? Moms, there are kids that are in rebellion today and it has nothing to do with you. Dads, there, there are, are mistakes that you made, but they're not the reason your children are making mistakes. Yes, the sins of the fathers go beyond to the children, but they're not going to be able to stand before Jesus and go, I was a victim. No. That's not how it works. We all stand before God and we're held accountable for the sin of our lives. You need to know that. There's not something that sometimes is going wrong. It's just that the, we're waiting on the fire. And i got to tell you that sometimes I get tired of waiting for it. And I want to connect the dots. And I, I see something happen. And I go, oh, that's it. The fire's coming. And God's looking at me and He goes, I never asked you to be a weatherman for fire. I didn't ask you to do that. But I want you to experience the fire. You see, only God can light the fire. And this is always the kindling. This is what they need to come to grips with. And so as we begin this study for a week or two on only God, we need to know that only God can light the fire. When I was a youth pastor, we used to sing a song, and I thought of this song as we close today. And um, it's called Light the Fire. And the words go like this. I stand to praise you. Oh, good. Nancy agreed to do it. <laughs> I asked Nancy if she'd sing it with you. So listen to the words of this song that we're going to use as a prayer to close this service.
I stand to praise you, but I fall on my knees. My spirit is hungry, but my flesh is so weak. So light the fire in my soul, fan the flame, make me whole. Oh, do you know where I've been? So light the fire in my heart again. I feel your arms around me as the power of your healing begins. You breathe new life right through me like a mighty rushing wind. So light the fire in my soul, fan the flame, make me whole. Oh, do you know where I've been? So light the fire in my heart again. So light the fire in my soul, fan the flame, make me whole. Lord, you know where I've been, so light the fire in my heart again. You see, the fire today might be about not what's happening out there, but about what's happening in here. When you take the temperature of your own walk with the Lord today, does God need to do something that only He can do again? You see, maybe you can carry some wood to the fire, but you can't start the fire. And so I pray for each one of us not for them out there, but for us in here today, that we would be experiencing the fire of what only God can do in us. You can't conjure up your relationship with the Lord. You have to continue to let Him connect the dots of Scripture and your experience. You need to continue to say yes to His will and trust and surrender in what he's asking. But we need to begin by being fire here. That's what he did in the life of Jonathan Edwards. He wrote that sermon for himself and then shared it for others. That's what I need. That God would rekindle that thing that sometimes I try to blow out myself. Will you let God light a fire inside of you? Let's pray together. God, I pray for each person here. 
And right now, it would be so easy to take this moment and say, yeah, that's good. That's for this person I know. But really, this information is for us today. God, we don't want to blow you off in our lives, so we miss seeing you in our lives. And we know that who we are isn't because of something we did and the brilliance that we have. But at some point, we humbled ourselves in the foolishness of what we thought was best and, and, and met you at the cross to experience your best. God, for those who've never accepted Jesus as their Savior, who've never asked the Lord to forgive them, who've never dealt with the foolishness of their own choices, we pray that this would be the moment that they would ask you to be their personal Savior. That they would cry out to you in this moment with simple words that say, Dear Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. Forgive my sins. Change my life. Put your fire inside of me. And for those of us who already know you, God, rekindle and fan the flame of our spiritual experience and make us on fire for you. Do that work inside of us that we cannot do for ourselves. Help us to yield to you so we can be a flame for you instead of flamed out because of us. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you are investigating Jesus and maybe you took a step in that direction, you want some help, please see one of us today because we'd love to help you on that. For the rest of you, I pray that, that we can experience the obedience in our own lives of a life on fire for the Lord. God bless you as you go. Have a great day.